0: Well, John 14, Jesus is speaking again to his disciples, and today's sermon title is simply this, I love you more. You ever played that game with somebody? I love you. I love you more. I love you more. Anybody ever played that game with your kids or with your spouse or with someone? Anybody, anybody play it this week? Yeah, me and Wendy always play it. Love you. Love you back. Love you more. All right, so text continue if you do that. Well, Jesus is very clear that he loves you more, because who actually gave you life? The Lord Jesus, right? Because all things that were created were created by Him. John one says. So therefore, He loved you that He created you. We sin. We know Adam and Eve sinned, and we inherit that sin nature. But guess who died on the cross for your sin nature, that you might be saved? Jesus. What did He say on the cross? I love you this much, right? Because John three sixteen, Jesus Himself said, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever in the world believes in Him shall not perish, but have what." Everlasting life. Who created everlasting life? Well, the Lord Jesus, everything that was created is created. The Father obviously gets credit. The Spirit's going to get credit. You'll see in just a moment. But the Bible tells us very clearly that Jesus has defining position as the Son in the Godhead. And we're going to be talking about that today as we look in Jesus speaking to his disciples about the Father, about the Holy Spirit. So together, as we read the Word of God, John 14, beginning of verse 14, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And Jesus is getting ready to leave. As we all know, if you've been here, if you're a guest with us, we've been in the book of John for about a year almost, and we are continue. We'll be finishing up here sometime in the year or so. So let's continue. Verse 14, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, and that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth Whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Verse 19 A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my father, and you in me, and I in you. Verse twenty one. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Verse 24, he who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, verse 26, but the helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And there's more to come. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word that we can actually take it. And, Lord, we can see you as if we're sitting in that room or traveling with you by foot and hearing you speak to the disciples because your Holy Spirit seemed to it that John would record this the way you wanted to record it for us today and the way you said it so that it would have meaning to the disciples as a historical narrative to us but also as meaning to us as disciples today that we might know that we have life and life everlasting only through and in Jesus Christ uh, our Lord. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen just at the first reading, could you see that Jesus says, I love you more. I love you more because I have a plan. I love you more because I have a purpose. And and as we look at the scripture, we're going to see that Jesus speaks over and over again. Now, you would agree, in our culture, well, it used to be, words have meanings. Would you agree? Words used to have meanings, right? Man meant man, and woman meant woman. and And so it's so confused. And even this week, as we talked about life, you know, we had that evil, ungodly Roe vs. Way overturned by the Dobbs decision. Would you you agree? God took a blight, if you will, off our country, threw it in the trash can and said, now the states make a decision. Our state senators and representatives have been battling back and forth, and i got sad news for you. We have a bunch of cowards leading our state. We've got a bunch of sorry people leading our state that says, I'm pro-life too, but, and every time you add the but to what you're saying, you're going to turn around and go the other way. I cannot tell you today that I am pro-life, and I concede that any baby should die in the state of South Carolina. But you look with our senators, they said we didn't have the votes to pass. Only one senator do I respect, and when I sit and watch all the Senate hearings, and you can watch them live, it made me sick to my stomach this week that those are supposed to be the mature, the Senate's supposed to be the most mature part of our legislature in South Carolina. The representatives concede, pass the House over to the, the bill over to the Senate, the senators battled about with it, and look at it for yourself, it'll make you... Sick to your stomach. It makes me frustrated that they caved and gave in and said, yeah, we'll take life up to this point. Even Senator Massey's quoted from Edgefield saying, we saved lives in South Carolina today. And I said, God forbid when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account, all those babies and generations and generations and generations that have died because of your silly vote because you don't want to offend somebody, you don't want to make somebody upset, God forbid. Would you agree? I want to give you an example of this one. Why is it personal to me? One, I'm a Christian. God made life. He's the giver of life. No matter how we get here, God gives life. Amen? My mother, obviously, was told she was the mother of three, and I was on the way, and I was messing up stuff in a hurry inside of her. Her doctor, my doctor, told her to have an abortion so that she could live. Mother made a decision. You can ask her after church. She made a decision. I have three kids. God's giving me an opportunity, and I want to... Trust God in this and let it happen. And here I am today. So if she had had an abortion, not only do you eliminate me, you eliminate Wendy, obviously because I married her, but you eliminate our three children and you eliminate our four grandchildren. And the generations still to come, you eliminate. We've done this 60 million times in our country over the last few years, 50 years, and we call it choice. I want to tell you, listen, as soon as you become pregnant at conception, choice is over. You made that choice, uh, right, amen? Amen. Or if it's done to you. Listen, we know there's rape and incest and all those exclusions they want to talk about. But God is the giver of life. And we have to respect that or we have to reject it. There is no in-between, hey, I, I'm for it up to this point and then after that I'm not. Or I'm up to it, for, you can kill a baby up to 20 weeks, whatever it might be. That's not the sermon for today, but that's the topic of today because it just happened this week. And I think a pastor should be relevant to what's happening in our culture today. Would you agree? People are speaking about the queen. This week, the queen's dead. I I couldn't tell you how many people, did you hear? The queen's dead. I said, we don't have a queen, right? The queen of England died, but we don't have a queen. But people spoke more about the queen this week than they did the king of kings this week. Even Christians, we put it on our Facebook. Even 9-11, we put it on our bulletin day. We remember 21 years ago what awful attack happened. But how do we stop these things in our culture how do we actually actually speak out instead of being angry? And I'm not angry this morning. I think it's holy, uh, righteous indignation, right? Because I'm mad that they're going to kill babies in South Carolina. Are you? Well, we could have called and done something about it. It's about to go back to the house again, and then it's about to go to the governor. I want to encourage you to light up their phones. Tell them at least how you feel. I'm even thinking about running for office. I'm, I'm so frustrated. Somebody's got to be a voice of reason in that crazy place that we call our representatives or our senate. Y'all, we need leaders to rise up. We need people to have God to stand up. We can't complain on Sunday morning what's happening Monday through Friday if we're not engaged. And Jesus has told his disciples, these men came from businesses. They came from tax collectors. They came from the government agency jobs. They came from all different backgrounds. And now here he is telling them, I'm leaving you, and you're going to be into a world that hates me, and it's going to hate you. You'll see this coming up in, in, when we get to the next chapter. And Jesus is telling them, hey, listen, Don't worry. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, right? If we were fighting against flesh and blood, we could settle a lot of these issues, we think, right? If the fight's over, if we win the fight. But the Bible's very clear in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. We're not fighting against flesh and blood with all these moral issues that are happening in our society. No matter how you land the plane, because we've all been indoctrinated to some point to believe something. Everything that you know today, somebody taught you. Or you've learned it by experience. But most of the things in in political realms, you've heard it on the news CNN's your teacher. Fox News is your teacher. Whatever it might be, if that's your teacher, that talking head on the box that wants you to hear what they want you to hear. It's propaganda 101. You say, well, how do you know that? Hey, when I was in the military, I used to watch. I used to make the news, send it to the White House, and then watch the news, and it was totally opposite of what we were sending. God wants us to speak truth. Day by day. Well, how do we do that? Through the power of the Spirit, one-on-one with our brothers and sisters. That's what the whole three circles is about tonight. That's what discipleship is about. That's what this morning's service is about. And I want to tell you this morning, if you were singing and asking, and we invited the Holy Spirit here, meaning that he's welcome to move amongst us because, uh, by the way, the Holy Spirit will offend you. Did you know that? He will take God's Word, and he'll stick it in you and offend you. And we didn't have to invite him here today. He came with me. Did you know that? He tagged along with me. Now, he's omnipresent, but I am present, so he's in me, so therefore he is in here, right? He's all places all the time, but if you're a Christian today, you walked in here with him. You say, well, how do you know that? We just read the scripture. I'm going to show you that he's not only with you, he's in you. So wherever you go, whatever you watch, whatever you do, that's what he does. Whatever you text, whatever you speak, that's, he's listened to everything you're saying. It's having that intel right inside of you. And some of y'all need to do some repenting of things you've said and done in text, right? You need to get back to the point and say, God, I I am so sorry. I'm not thinking that the Holy Spirit's walking with me daily. It's he's just hanging out there at 250 Town Creek Road. And when I see him, I I visit with him like that. He's here, and he's there. Wherever you go, he's there. And if you're a Christian, he walks with you always. That's because Jesus made this plan and His purpose. God the Father made this plan and His purpose that the Holy Spirit, he, the Holy Spirit, would be with you. Look at your notes, if you would. Jesus gave his disciples two if-conjunctions back-to-back. Jesus gave them the premise of something extra special from God backed by a holy promise from God. If you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. Have you ever told your children those things? If you do that again, I'm going to spank your behind. You ever had that? That's a promise and a premise right there together, right? Or a premise and a promise. Anybody ever had done that? Anybody ever had that said to them? If you do that again, right? And This is what Jesus is saying. If, If, listen, if you ask anything in my name, if you went to Catalyst this morning, Thank you for going to Catalyst. You're learning more and more. You, you're learning that actually God's word is applicable to your life day by day. You say, well, how does that apply to my life? Just spend time talking to one another, sharing stories, sharing experiences, sharing God's word because you'll find out that God carries you through. Amen? These are difficult days that we live in, and we know that the Bible is very clear. 2 Timothy chapter 3 tells us that in the last days perilous times will come. We're living in perilous times, brothers and sisters. Well, that's what He said, he declared, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I told you I've been asking for a Porsche for a long time, right? Till I got to be old enough to buy my own stuff and do my own thing and find out you it costs so much money to even change the oil in a Porsche. I don't want anything to do with a Porsche today, right? Thank you, God, for not answering my dumb prayers. Or he did answer my prayer. He said no, right? He always answers prayers. He's either yes, no, wait, or my grace is sufficient. So make sure that when you're praying, when you're praying, you're praying in the Spirit And you'll start asking for the things that God wants you to ask for. You say, well, how can that happen? The answer is, I don't know. I just take his word for what he says. What's this? If you ask, verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, or some Bible say, if you ask me anything, right, anything in my name, I will do it. Why do we pray? When we close a prayer, in Jesus' name, amen. Why do we pray that? It's not just something we were taught to tag on to the end of our prayers. We know that we have access to the Father through the Son. Did you know that? That's a doctrinal statement of truth, right? We have access to God the Father through God the Son. And even if we mess up our prayers, God the Holy Spirit says, that's, here's what he means. right? He's our interpreter before the throne of God, saying, Clint's crying or Clint's angry or Clint's whatever's going on. And what he means is this. He really wants this to happen. He knows our heart. The Bible says the Spirit of God knows the Spirit of man. And when he lives inside of us, when we give our hearts and lives to him, then we have, what, communication with God. Let's continue. Watch this. Look in your notes. He said this. If you love me, guess what you'll do? You'll keep my commandments. And Those brothers and sisters, when the Bible says, thou shalt not murder, what do you think God meant? Don't murder. Even those little babies that are in the womb, don't murder those babies and don't vote to murder those babies. And all my friends who say they're Christians at the state house, saying, uh, well, we didn't have enough votes to pass legislation. I'd rather lose and vote opposite murdering babies and come home and say, I tried. I tried for us. I represented you and we tried. But all the other men and women voted no. They voted to thumbs down to babies' lives. Do you get at church this morning when Jesus says, and Jesus is God, right? Thou shalt not murder. Guess what he means? We've said it right. If, let me ask again what does he mean when he says, thou shalt not murder? Don't murder. Don't murder. And a baby, listen, is a life at conception. Watch this. Continue in the Word. Go back to your notes for a second. If you love me, you will do what? Keep or obey my commandments. The opposite is true. I kind of drew a sandwich on my notes up here. I put a a piece of bread at the top. If you love me, you keep my commandments. And all the good stuff of life in between. But the opposite is true on the bottom. If you don't love me, if you don't love Jesus, guess what you won't do? He says so, not just, those aren't just words of Pastor Clint Smith. That's the words of Jesus Christ. If you don't love me, you won't keep my word. And how many people are showing how much love they have for God? How did you live this week? How did you follow his commandments this week? You say, well, I'm not under the Ten Commandments anymore. Oh, God's moral laws have never changed just because you have. He doesn't change with the times. He's, listen, time is irrelevant to God. God's in the middle of the circle watching everything at one time. Yesterday's the same today and tomorrow. He never changes. He's immutable. That's the God that we serve. Look at your notes. What commandments would they have to keep if you keep my commandments? That's a lot of commandments. And you can see scholars, some range. I put on your notes 600 to 1,000 commands in the Bible. That's what, how many commands. How can you keep all that? How do you know them all? And the answer is we don't. Aren't you glad that we have a God who, I love you more, he put it out because it was written. Look over, go with me to Matthew 22. Matthew 22, and you'll see it pop up on the screen, so some of you will be lazy and just read it off the screen. I shouldn't have put it in the notes today, but Matthew 22, you need to mark this. This is called the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment. Matthew 22, and verse 35 when you're, well, 34, let's do 34 when you're there, say amen. amen. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And then, of course, they go on to test Jesus and see more questions they have of him. But what is the greatest commandment, church? Or the great commandment? Love God with everything that you are. Heart, soul, mind, and one of the gospel says your strength. Give him everything. What do you give God, church? What has he given you? Everything. He's given you life. He's given you the ability to do what you do. He's given you voice. He's given you food, sustenance. He's given us the rain. He gives us society. He gives us air. He gives us sun. He gives us everything because he loves us more. And then he gives us himself because he loves us more. And then he gives us an opportunity to talk to him because he loves us more. Do you see how good our God is today? He's sending a love letter from heaven. I love you more. You're going to go through some stuff. Uh, tribulation's coming, but I love, I love you more. Look back at your notes. Look at see verse 16. God the Son promised his disciples that he would ask God the Father to send to them God the Holy Spirit when he Jesus went away. Some people say I don't believe in the Trinity. The Bible don't teach a Trinity. Was Jesus mistaken? Yes or no? Go back and look for yourself. Verse 16, let's read it together. And I will pray to the Father. Who is that? God the Father. And he will give you another helper. Who is that? God the Holy Spirit. And who's speaking? God the Son. The Trinity's right here. Either Jesus is a liar and he's not true, or he, listen, he knows what he's talking about and he is God, amen? You get a foolish pastor, deacon, elder, Teacher, anybody say that the Bible does not teach the Trinity? Listen, they are a liar. They're calling Jesus a liar. Is that a pretty heavy lift? Walk away from them. They're a false prophet or teacher. They don't know what they're talking about. If they say the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is not God, or our Muslim friends say you serve three gods, we do not. We don't understand it. Listen, every example under the sun has been given on this planet, of eggs and pretzels and water and you name it. We try to compare something here on earth we can control to something in heaven that we don't know anything about except what he, ex- what he reveals to us in Scripture. Don't use an egg. Don't use a pretzel. Don't use water to explain God. Just say he's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, because he said so. Amen? That's his nature, and that's who he is. You say, well, I, don't, I can't understand that. Join the crowd. We're trying to take an infinite God with our little finite minds And understand Him. He doesn't want us to understand Him fully. He wants us to have faith in Him. And then day by day, the Holy Spirit gives us understanding for that day's amount. Listen, He allots that day's amount of wisdom for you. What do you need? These little kids, what do they need? They're not worried about what they're going to ride home in today, y'all. They're not worried about getting a speeding ticket. Uh, They're not worried about cooking lunch today. What are they worried about? Math. Social studies. English. That's their wisdom. Listen, that's their word. But some of y'all are dealing with some big big dollar things, right? But can I ask you this question? What is big to God? Nothing. What is little to God? Nothing. He cares. I love you more is when he's screaming from heaven. Listen, just walk with me. Talk with me. I love you. I love you more. It's what he's trying to tell you and it's what he's trying to tell me, but we're so, so hard-headed. You know that Jesus in post-resurrection, he told him. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, I don't have that in the scriptures, but if you take a notes, write it down. He says, go make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Was he mistaken yet again? He was not. And he said, listen, teach them everything I've taught you, and remember, I'm with you always till the end of the age. Well, Jesus sitting and walking with me. The Spirit of Christ, obviously, is the Holy Spirit, right? He's with me. The Comforter's with me. The one that represents the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he's with me. He's with you. Jesus says he's not only with me, he's in me. Well, how can I take a holy God? If you believe, listen, the doctrine of the Trinity and the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, if the God the Father, listen, sends the Holy Spirit to me, because Jesus said I'll ask him and he'll, he'll send you, or I'll send you, the Spirit, the Comforter, if he's in me, who or what can take him out of me? Who is greater than God? No one, nothing. We're going to read that in just a moment. So the people who teach, and we got friends, I got friends that are, they're still my friends, they teach you can lose your salvation. And they constantly stay in fear because they're afraid, I'm not saved. They're like windshield wipers, I'm saved today, not tomorrow, saved today, not tomorrow. Listen, if that's you, brothers and sisters, look, calm down, read his word, ask him to show you. Amen? Then you will know that you know that you know that your salvation is true. And listen, if you're doubting your salvation or you have a question about it, that's a good thing. Because a lost person, listen, the ones running the road last night on Saturday night hanging out in the bars and the clubs and all the other places, they don't care. They're not concerned about their salvation. They're like, yeah, I'm a Christian too. That's a, that's a flippant word today, right? So many people claim, claim the, the title, and they know nothing of what they're claiming. And they think because grandma went, took them to church when they were little, they're saved. You're not. You, the Bible says you must be born again. You. You. Me. Every individual must be born from above. The Spirit of God us. Rebo- That's from God's Word, John chapter 3. If you want to read it for yourself, do some studies. Some of us need to do homework because it'll motivate us to work and to do the work of God that He's preordained for us to do, Ephesians 2.10. Look at the Word. Look, go back to your notes. The work of the Holy Spirit brings glory to God the Father and the Son. He is the helper, the comforter, the counselor, the spirit of truth. I could have went on and on and on the titles of God. If any of you have taken experience in God, you know there's a whole list of scriptures I think it's on page 268. It's stuck in my head of all the titles of God the Holy Spirit. What you need to do is take those names and say, Pastor, can I get a copy of that? I'll give you a copy. Listen, take those names and apply it to your life. Does any of those names that I put in your notes apply to you this week? He is the helper. Does that make you feel any good? He helps you in your time of need because he loves you. He also is your comforter. Are you troubled by something? Something got you upset? It could be health or wealth. That's usually the two things that knock us out, right? Our relationships. What is he? He's the helper. He's the comforter. He's the counselor. Anybody need somebody to talk to? This is what I struggled when I was a, a young, young man. I had a top secret clearance. They told us how many Russian spies were around us, and I didn't trust anybody. And we, we moved a lot when I was a kid, so you didn't make really good friends, so you didn't trust anybody. When I heard, and got, when the day I got saved, I heard about Isaiah 9, 6, that he is the... Wonderful counselor. He's somebody you can talk to 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He'll keep your information top secret. And, listen, he'll give you 100% accurate advice or wisdom. Isn't that great? You can't get any better than that. That's Jesus. And then when Jesus said, I'm going away, oh, no, there goes the counselor. He's ascended to the Father. He said, but when I'm going to the Father, I'm going to send you the counselor. Wait a minute. Who's the counselor, Jesus or the Holy Spirit? Yes. Ain't that good to know because he's God. So listen, you need something today? Sit down at your Bible and say, Lord, please show me your, your will. Don't be flippant like this and just flip through and, and Judas went and hanged himself. Don't go through and actually just flip open the word of God like that. Go through and sit before the Lord and say, listen, Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't know the way. Who is the way, the truth, and the life? His name is Jesus. And if he went to the Father, now who do we get our guidance from? The Holy Spirit. He's going to take the words of Jesus to Apply them to your life or your situation. Everything that you're going to deal with in your life, every single thing in your life, whether it be cancer, heart disease, breakups, financial, you, you pick, a, pick a subject it's dealt with in Scripture. And I'll be as bold to say this, every prayer you're ever going to pray is already answered in Scripture. He's a Pastor, there's no possible way. How in the way? How, he's God. Time is irrelevant to Him. He will answer you according to a Scripture. An old preacher used to tell me that, and I was like, listen, my name's not in this Bible. I used to get so upset. I went through this Bible, "My name is not in the Bible. What was I wanting? I was wanting an easy way out. I was wanting to read Clint Smith do this, right? And he does speak that way if we would just listen to him. We listen to him with our perspective. We want to hear it from our point of view, because we know something, right? We think we're somebody, we think we know something, until we get into the word of God and say, "God, you're so holy. How in the world these men are afraid? They've lost their businesses, if you will. Now, Peter, we know, he packs back up and goes fishing. I guess that's what fishermen do. These men are, listen, they're they're disgruntled. They're heartbroken. What are we going to do? And then the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. And some people talk about Judas Iscariot, by the way. Let me just set this aside for you. Judas Iscariot was not saved. Therefore, that's why he went to his own place, went to hell. That's why he betrayed God. When did the apostles receive the Holy Spirit? Do you know? At Pentecost, right? When the tongues of fire came, so... There was no indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Yes, they were visited by the Holy Spirit because when Jesus was here on earth, keep this in your mind because it will solve a lot of problems for you. Did Jesus live in the Old Testament or the New Testament? He lived during the Old Testament. Of course, the, the New Testament was his blood sacrifice on the cross, the new promise. So he did walk the earth technically for 40 days in the New Testament, right? He, so he lived, but his, his life, his normal man life was in the Old Testament. So the Holy Spirit would visit for a season and leave. Visit for a season and leave. That's why the Old Testament men, David would cry out, Lord, don't take your spirit from me, because he knew what it was like to live with the Spirit and without the Spirit. Here's the good news for us today. Listen, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. When we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, let's give him a hand clap of praise because he's worthy. He says he'll never leave you, never forsake you. That's through the power of the Holy Spirit. On your darkest days, He's the light. On your brightest days, He's the light. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Now let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? Bring glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's our job. Amen? It's been preordained that we do this work. Well, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would live in the disciples of Christ and around them eternally. Look at verse 17, the second part. Look at that. If you say words in the Bible, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So where does he live? He dwells with you and, be, and will be with you, right? He'll be in you and with you. Let's continue so we pick this up. Jesus verse 19 through23. Jesus lovely implanted planted the truth of his going to the Father as being imminent. It's, it's happening, boys. It's coming down right now. It's about to happen. Only a Baptist preacher can take a one-night message to his disciples and turn it into multiple months, right? We've been in John 14 for some weeks now. He comforted his disciples with the knowledge that if they keep his commandments, they would be loved by him and God the Father. Now, all these young men knew, right, was God the Father. Their Jewish upbringing would say, well, God the Father, God the Father, God the Father. That's how they knew. And now Jesus is on earth and they're saying, wait a minute, He's doing too many miracles. He's got to be God. He's got to be the man of God. He's got to be the Messiah. And Jesus is introducing God the Father, God the Son, and he calls himself the Son of God and the Son of Man. This was conflicting to their mind, thinking, wait a minute, the Son, the firstborn, is equivalent to the Father, meaning that if my oldest son speaks on my behalf during their culture, he spoke for me. Whatever I would say, he said. That's why it's so careful that he speaks the truth. And Jesus says, I always wait to see what the Father says, wherever he's working then I'm at work. Isn't that good to see? And now he's going to give us this ability as disciples of Christ to follow him the same way. Jesus taught, verse 24, that the world does not love Jesus and therefore does not keep his words. Unbelievers or non-believers are disobedient to the word of God. Can you see it in our society? Even from people with high responsibilities and people with no responsibilities in society. They're living like they want to live. And they think the church, we're getting people, immigrants coming that are crossing the border, coming to our church, saying, you have responsibility. They said the church would help me. Well, listen, church, we're limited by so much money, right? We're limited. If some of y'all would give more, we could give more. Amen? Amen? Give to, that was a big amen right there. If we give more, we can give more. Is that true? We're responsible. And when people come to the door saying, y'all saw a couple weeks ago, the woman out front with a sign with children. Uh, we, we took care as a church, we took care of a couple of days in the hotel, we gave them food, took them out to eat at McDonald's. My family's calling me, where are you? And I said, I'm taking another family out to eat at McDonald's, because that's, that's where the kids wanted to go. The parents didn't want to go there, but the kids did, so we had a good time. And they were from Italy, but they came via Mexico, up to California, over to Texas, and then shipped them over here, and they said, come by the church, the church will help you. And that's what they were taught. And I had to use Google Translate, right? Everything's Google Translate. And they were originally from Romania. So it's happening more and more and more. The church has got to be the hands and feet of God, right? We know the world, perilous times are coming. The world's coming to us. We must be responsible because many times those that are in authority, the government authority, is not responsible. But listen, they're going to be disobedient. Some people want what the church has. You ever heard of children that want what their parents have? They want their parents to go ahead and die so they can get their stuff. It happens all the time. Wait till, wait till there's a funeral. You should hear some of the conversations. When, when people come from out of town, who gets what? I've heard of people putting little stickers on the back of Grandma's furniture while she's getting sick. That way they know that Grandma said, I can have this green dot. And all the green dot stuff's mine, so when she dies, I'm coming to get the green dot stuff. It's happening in our society. It's happening in y'all's family. Y'all looking at me so pious. Listen, y'all been a part of those conversations. right? Who gets Grandma's jewelry? Who gets the car? Who gets the house? Who gets all the responsibilities? People are just human nature. We're selfish and want our stuff, and it should be to the glory of God in all of our lives. Non believers or unbelievers are disobedient to the Word of God. Verse 25 and 26, Jesus teaches the Holy Spirit is the personal teacher for every believer. What does that mean? If you're a Christian today and you don't understand the Word of God, there's something that's wrong. Either you're not reading the Word of God, right? Or it could be that you're not a Christian. Let me correct that. You can say you're a Christian. But there's got to be an understanding of the Word of God. God should be speaking to you. He doesn't speak, hey, t- attention, attention. He doesn't pull out a loud voice like that. He speaks to us inside. He, he moves us through. We have conscience, right? We talk about our conscience bothering me. Well, the Holy Spirit can, is, he's not your conscience, by the way. He's God. Uh, it depends on how you were brought up. Rules in the house, you'll have a stronger conscience of not doing a wrong, uh, wrong than people that didn't have a conscience, that didn't have any rules growing up. If you had no rules, you'll be crazy sometimes in society. Not, anybody do whatever you want to do. Just be what you want to be. We've had parents bring their kids to our school and say, uh, I said, you didn't put on their boy or girl. They like, we want them to decide. How foolish could you possibly be? I wish God had sterilized you from birth. As I told a dad this. You should have been sterilized from birth than to do this to a child. This poor child, the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go. This kid don't know what to do. The Bible says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. This man got mad at me. Could you imagine when I said that to him and his wife, he and his wife? I said, you came to a Baptist church to sit down with a Baptist preacher who's a Christian who believes the Word of God is the Word of God, and you tell me that you don't want your child to know if they're a boy or a girl, that they're going to make a decision? Not only is that child foolish, how dumb would you have to have a daddy like that? God forbid that people are growing up with daddies and mamas like that today. God forbid. God forbid. That's stupidity. That's, not, that's, not, that's just ignoramus 101. And that's an unbeliever because they do their own thing. Would, would y'all disagree? The thing is, can you imagine being a little kid and your mama dressing you up as a boy in girl clothes because you want to play in girl's clothes? I had a sister who tried that mess all the time. But she was more of a tomboy than us, right? Boy, that's just the nature. Listen, you can be, you, just because you have a, a masculine ways as a woman doesn't mean that you're... you're uh, transitional uh, in the future, right, that you should tra- you're transgender, and vice versa. And when you act on the things you believe, my daughter, obviously, we're having a wedding next month. She was tougher than all the boys growing up. She beat them all up. They always, she got chose first of all the boys to play on the sports teams because that was her nature. My boys, they have a tender spirit. They talk about things. They want to talk about emotions. It makes me sick. Go see your mama, right? <laughs> I can't connect, all Right? Me and Mackenzie connect the boys and Wendy connect. I just, and and Kenzie connects with her too. It's just because they have that nature of love. And, and I'm learning. I told some of the ladies this morning, I'm trying. To, Wendy told me about loving more. I'm trying to express love more. I'm trying to hug more. And it's stressing me out. <laughs> but the Lord tells me to love because He first loved me. Amen? I'm trying, church. Listen, I'm a, I'm a junkyard dog messed up, but I'm trying. Finally, verse 26 the Holy Spirit gives special spiritual memory to a believer. At the time of need. Listen, you know what my time of need is? Every Sunday when I stand up here, I'm nervous. Lord, I want to bring the proper message you want to bring. I don't want to get, add my opinions, which y'all have heard many of them because I have lots of them. But I want to see, make sure that this biblical base that I, that I stand up against, not just my cultural base, my background base, but it's scriptural base. And how do you remember the sermon? How do you go through the notes? It's not something you just study over and over again. And I can't stand preaching off notes. I just prefer to open the Bible and let's read it, let's go. But why do we do the notes? I do this so that you have something to take this week and sit around the water cooler or wherever it might be. It used to be the scuttlebutt back in the day when I was in the Navy. But wherever it is you sit down, you can go through these notes and make your own notes so that you actually lead, letting the Holy Spirit be your personal teacher, but also having a guide whereby you can actually at least have a conversation with someone. That's why we do the notes in the bulletin. It's a pain in the, in, in the neck to get it done because Chris is always waiting. Pastor, do you have the notes? Sunday morning, I said, don't print the notes until Sunday morning because... God might have said something else to me I want to add in there. Y'all listen, what we do is we're doing it for you to be equipped. One, we get equipped by doing it, but we want you to be equipped and take it out there to the world. We cannot change the world until we change our own hearts and then go tell our neighbors about Jesus Christ. We might stop the next murder by sharing the gospel with somebody. Did you know that? By helping somebody less, less fortunate. We might be stopping some of this crime. We might be stopping some of these lives that are being taken. The Holy Spirit gives that special spiritual memory to a believer at the time of need. When's your time of need? It's the very time that God's called you to share. Every time you open your mouth, what's that scripture? If you listen to Billy Graham, you'll hear He'll say, the Bible says, right? Why is that? Because you can't always remember the scripture uh, reference, but you can remember what the Word says. You can always remember, what's the nature of God? God is love. God is light. And these are the things we have to, to remember. Well, confidence Paul talked about in Romans chapter 8. Let's go there and finish up with this as we walk out of here today. Because we're always saying, well, how's this applied to my life and how can I actually use this? We're talking about a doctrine, vegetable soup, it's right here in chapter 8. Let me read something to you. And This is not the sermon for today because we can't, this is, we're going to be in Romans. Hopefully the next big bite that we're going to take is the book of Romans. And I'm excited about it. But let me pick up verse 22, Romans 8, 22, When you're there, say amen, because this is something, this will build your confidence more than anything on the world. If you're saved today, uh, listen, this should make you feel just full of God's grace, God's power, and God's love. And we'll finish today's sermon with this. Because we want to know, if we've given our heart and life to Jesus Christ, this is Paul speaking as a believer to believers. Understand? If you're not a Christian today, this doesn't apply. Okay? You don't get any of this. Nope. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with the birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, Eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Verse 24, for we are saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we have hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Meaning work until Jesus comes, amen? He's coming, he's, he's bringing it. Verse 26 is very important. Mark it in your Bible if you mark your Bible. Likewise, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28, you've probably used this out of context so many times. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, for whom He foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The answer is what? (laughs) Bring it, right? Bring it. Send a nuclear missile right to our front door. Does that bother anybody? I don't want to necessarily die that way, but does it bother anybody? Absent from the body would be what? Present with the Lord. Listen, there's nothing. You can name powerful things, there's nothing. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The answer is he will. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's Christians. Is it, it is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who even at the, is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Are you all seeing this picture that's happening? The Holy Spirit's inside of us, dwelling us, sending up our prayers to the Father, telling us how we should pray, even when you get to the point of saying, I got nothing. You ever been there praying before? Lord, I got all this stuff going on, and I got nothing. I can't say, I can't think, i have just kind of been neutral. Well, as you're in neutral before the Lord, the Holy Spirit is taking your thoughts and your heart and putting it before the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is in turn going before the Father saying, listen, this is what he's asking for, this is what she's asking for, that, they, that you might be glorified. Lord, have, if you will, preeminence in their life and do what they're asking. Because anything you ask in Jesus' name, he will do to bring glory to the Father. Do you understand? We don't go out and ask for foolish things because what's happening, if it's sinful or foolish... Why would God have any business in that? Ask Him for the things that bring Him glory. Your work, your life, your family can bring glory to God. Amen? That's why Jesus said, let your light so shine before men. They're going to see your good works. Let them see Jesus in you. So we continue. It gets better. Listen, Paul, this is a big rolling snowball coming down the hill. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Church, answer that, please. Shall tribulation? Louder. Shall tribulation? Shall distress, yes. persecution, yes. famine, yes. nakedness, yes. peril, yes. sword. Yes. What's this. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. That comes from Psalm forty-four, twenty-two, Verse 37. These are powerful, packed. I've got these circled and marked in my Bible because it brings me total confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not of myself. It's not me. But this is Jesus in me, right? The Holy Spirit walking with me. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What are we conquering, church? Death, life, tribulations, peril, sword, homelessness. Come down to our stuff today where we are. Keep naming. Just throw all the bad stuff in one big blender, mix it up. Listen, and we are more than conquerors through Christ, right? Through him that set us apart. Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Isn't that a wonderful word that Paul writes to the church here at Rome? And then we also hear it here at 250 Town Creek Road. So church, here's the question. What can separate you? If you belong to Jesus, if you've given your heart and life to Jesus, what can separate you from the love of God? The answer is absolutely Nothing. Praise God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you today that we have the confidence, Lord, knowing that nothing can separate us from your love. We can walk out of this place today. We can speak to brothers and sisters in, in confidence, knowing, Lord, what is your will? And we can speak your will. Your will is life. Your will is salvation. Your will is rejoicing. Your will is helping. Your will is loving. All the things you've called us to do in your word, that is the will of God. And, Lord, you empower us to do your will. Without you, we can do nothing. We so desperately need you today. Uh, Lord, we we call out and ask you to change hearts and lives. If there's somebody in this room that's not saved, Father, I pray that you would actually convict their hearts, that they would turn their hearts and lives over to you and have this confidence that we have, that we can stand anywhere, any place, in front of any people and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Because you're the King of kings, you're the Lord of lords, and you're worthy. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you actually speak into our hearts and through our minds, bring everything back to our remembrance. Thank you for being our teacher. You're worthy. Father, thank you for this grand plan of salvation because it was your plan before the foundation of the earth. Lord, we want to bring glory to your name because you're worthy this morning. Father, if we're not saved today, somebody not saved, would you save their soul? Father, if there's somebody here today that's a Christian but never been baptized, Father, I pray they would fall through believer's baptism immediately because why would they wait any longer? You've commanded us to do these things. And Father, if there's a Christian brother and sister that's here today, they've been baptized, and Lord, they're in your word ready, and they're out there struggling in the fight because of physical ailments or financial, whatever it might be. Father, would you give them just an extra unction of the Holy Spirit today to keep on keeping on and encourage me today? Uh, a hand clap, a, a praise uh, on the back of the neck, or just something from the Word of God that says, keep on keep it on, brother, sister. Let's carry our burdens together because we carry them to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Whew, what a holy God we serve, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.